Wow, I'm about to have a spell before I start preaching. Isn't that awesome? Thank you, Coach Prater. Thank you, choir. Thank you, orchestra. Reminding us that we have a city. A city that is prepared for all of us. And I say us because all of those who know the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. And so I'm praying today for you. I'm praying for my one. I'm praying for those who don't have faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Because they're not going to be in that city with us. Right? That's what the Bible teaches. So that's why we need to share our faith. That's why we need to pray for those who don't know the Lord Jesus Christ. We want to take as many people to heaven with us as we possibly can by sharing our faith. And sharing our faith with our ones, our twos, our threes, all of those that need the Lord Jesus Christ. Wow, what a message in song that we've heard this morning. Thank you for being here today. I just thank you for coming. We have a lot of our students. There's an insert, a couple of inserts in your bulletin. I just want to be reminded we have a lot of students out today. We have about 85, I believe it is, in your in your insert there of our students who are attending Strength to Stand. And so we pray for them today. Uh, they are, it's a holiday weekend. Martin Luther King Jr.'s uh, a celebration day is tomorrow, so they're out of school tomorrow. And so uh, they're off at, I believe, Nashville is where they are. Where, where are they, Nashville? Gatlinburg, Gatlinburg. Everybody loves Gatlinburg, right? So they're in Gatlinburg, I'm sorry, and they're celebrating Strength to Stand. So pray for our students for a safe return. Uh, I know Josh and the team there that works with our students, I know they're going to have a great time praising the Lord with thousands of other students there as well. And then there's an insert I want to draw your attention to as I preach today on the sanctity of human life. And so I pray you'll read that insert. It's a good read there. And I pray you'll continue to pray for our nation as we continue to honor the sanctity of human life. So I'm going to speak on that today. I don't always do that on National Sanctity of Human Life Sunday, even though we draw attention to that. But today I just really feel a need to address this topic and this subject of sanctity of human life. So I want you to pray with your pastor as we begin this morning And I want to really pray for this. We really need to put this before the Lord. Amen. I know it's a burden in a lot of our hearts. It should be all of our hearts for those unborn, for all the sanctity of human life as we talk about that today. So pray with me as we pray today. Pray for our nation. Pray for our leaders who are making decisions constantly that affect all of us and affect what the Lord is doing here in our hearts, in our land, and across the world. Let's pray together. Father, in the name of Jesus. We thank you, Lord, for that city that you've prepared for us, Lord. In John chapter 14, the Lord Jesus Christ himself told his disciples and tells us that he's going to prepare a place for us. And we know that place by reading your word is the new Jerusalem, the new heaven and the new earth come down. And so, Lord, we're going to be with you forever and ever in a place called heaven. And we thank you for that, Lord. And we pray for all of those today that... Don't know the Lord as their personal Savior, that today would be their day of salvation. And then, Lord, I want to pray for this message today, Lord. I know you have in my heart, you burned this message in my heart, and I pray, Lord, that you'll anoint me now. Father, fill me with your Holy Spirit as I preach, and fill all of us with the Holy Spirit that we may hear a word from you. And so, Lord, I'm praying for our nation. I'm praying for our president. 
I'm praying for all of those in, in Congress, in the House of Representatives, the Senate, all of those, Lord, that are making decisions. Our Supreme Court, I put them before you this morning. So I pray, God, that you would help us to be one nation under God, that we would return to you, Lord, and that, Lord, you would bless America. And I pray today that America would learn to bless you and honor you as our God, our Creator, our Heavenly Father, who gave us your Son and our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. So, Lord, we acknowledge you today. Father, we bow before you today in prayer. We pray for our nation. We pray for our world, Lord, across the world. Father, we would respect that we would honor human life. We know that all life is from you. You're the giver of life. You're the taker of life. And, Lord, we know that all life is in your hands. And, Lord, you're our creator, you're our God, and you're our Heavenly Father. And we honor you today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. A lot of people are asking these questions. Who am I? You know, who am I? Where did I come from? And uh, where am I going? How did I get here? A lot of those questions people are asking today, and so I believe Genesis gives us a good insight to answer those questions. So if you would, in your Bibles today, turn to the front of the Bible, go past content, and you'll find Genesis, all right? So go to the front of your Bible. This is an easy book to find, right? The very first one. I'll never forget Randy Brown's testimony. Randy and Jennifer were my neighbors there in Forest Hills. And, and when Randy got saved, he said, you know, I took the Bible. I thought it was like any other book. You just open it up, read it from the front to the back. Well, that's a good idea to do that, right? But once you get past Leviticus, it really gets hard right in there So as a new Christian. But I appreciate Randy and I appreciate all of you today who are studying the Word of God. And so the Word of God speaks to our heart. So go to the front cover and go to Genesis chapter 1. And God, for five days, God is creating the universe. He's creating the animals. He's creating the plants, the herbs of the fields, all of those things He's created. But on the sixth day, God created man. Don't you look in verse 26 and following. Genesis 1, 26. Then God said, let us, notice that plural, let us make man in our image. Of course, we know that God is the Word. Jesus was the Word with God and all the way from the beginning. And so God says, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them, notice the plural there again, let the personal pronoun, them, let them have dominion. Speaking of both sexes, male and female, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. And so God created Underline that. God created in His own image, in the image of God, He created Him male and female. Amen and amen. He created them. And by the way, He created them, male and female, for a purpose, to reproduce. Amen. As husband and wife, to reproduce. We've missed that along the way. And then God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, see, I have given you every herb the field uh, that yields seed, which is in the face of the, all the earth, and every tree which uh, fruit yields seed, and you shall, it shall be for you for food. 
Also to every beast of the earth, to every bird of the air, and to everything that creeps. Notice that. Everything on the earth. Now notice this. In which there is life. Everything I've given life, I'm going to give you dominion over those things. For I have given every green herb for food, and it was so. And then God saw that he, what He had made, and indeed it was good. And so the evening and the morning was the sixth day. So God created man on the sixth day. Now, notice that God created us. God created man in His image to have dominion, if you will, supremacy over all other life. Now, why is that? Because God created man with a conscience, with a spirit, over all the other things that He created. Uh, For instance... If you watch the animal planet, as I do with my grandchildren, they love that. And so we watch that. And sometimes there will be a lion on there. And a lion will chase an antelope and grab that antelope by the neck until it is dead. And then he'll drag it off and eat it. And you say, oh my, is that murder? No, that's not murder. That's animal instinct. That's what they do. That's how they survive. Now, if I was to grab Bradley by the neck... (laughs) And I squeezed his neck until death. That's different. That's a lot different. That's what we would call murder. Right? We would call that murder. The Bible says in Deuteronomy 5.17, it's the fifth of the Ten Commandments, Thou shalt not murder. Thou shalt not murder. So we're different from the animals. We're different from the plants. God made us that way. We're made in His image to have dominion over the animals and the trees and the herbs. So God's given us a great responsibility over planet earth, if you will. So God's very specific in His creation. He says in Deuteronomy, He gave the Ten Commandments to Moses in number 5. He said, Thou shalt not murder. So Creator God is the sustainer and the giver of all life. Now, Something's happened within the 20th century that we've witnessed a cheapening of human life and a disregard for the life that God has given us. The rise of communism uh, coupled with Darwin's atheism. The impact, we've seen the rejection of humanity as God's image bearers. We've seen, we've rejected that. That we're made in His image and we're God's image bearers. And through atheism and communism and other things, we have disregarded that. The worth of individuals have been reduced to evolved primates. And that's what happened when you substitute evolution for creation. We look at people different. We look at things different. It's just we've evolved into primates, if you will. And so we begin to have a mindset of being formed that human beings have really no inherent value. They're just evolving like the animals or whatever. We're evolving primates. And so this ideology was fleshed out very before our eyes in a horrific massacre of human life by Nazi Germany at the Holocaust. We saw that, saw the history of that, how one race was supremacy they thought over another and disregarded human life. And it's horrific, horrific display of disregard for human life. 
We're seeing that very thing happen in the Middle East. We're seeing people just butchering and massacring other human beings, other races. And see, what, what happens is we're evolving, we think, into those kind of things and that mindset. And see, I'm telling you, I've been telling you this, when you disregard creation... When you disregard God's word of creation, that He's the creator of everything, He's the giver of life, when you disregard that and start saying we're just evolving, then anything goes. Anything goes. When you disregard that great principle that God is creator over creation. Now let's fast forward. Let's fast forward a decade after ending public school prayer. In Bible reading in probably 1963 by usually one woman, Madeline O'Hare, we disregarded prayer in school and Bible reading in 1963. The biblical worldview that human life begins at conception, we've also disregarded that. It's very clear when you read Psalms 139, verses 13 through 16, which we will in a moment. When you take, when you disregard the biblical worldview, for a hum, human worldview that anything goes, we're our own God, we make our own rules, we do our own things. When you start doing that, you start disregarding that, just like we did in 1963. And then a decade later, we started disregarding human life, that it was at conception when human life began. We rejected that, and even the Supreme Court of the United States of America made a decision in January of 1973, called Roe versus Wade to legalize abortion. And we've come a long way, hadn't we? In the other way. And so those things have happened in our history, in our past, not so long ago. And so you can see when you disregard creation by God, you start evolving, you start letting things happen that we never dreamed would happen in good old U.S. of A. Over the past 47 years since Roe versus Wade in 1973, more than 62 million Americans have been legally terminated, most of those before they were born. And the silent Holocaust is 10 times greater than the Holocaust of Nazi Germany with the Jews. Now listen to this. Also, in our midst today, Canada enthusiastically in favor of legalizing assisted suicide. It's just a domino effect. Once you disregard creation, once you disregard God and push Him to the side, it begins to domino. Things begin to happen. Now in Canada, they're legalizing assisted suicide. <clears throat> According to the Ottawa Citizen, it's a, it's a newspaper, in a recent report, Increasingly, those opting for assisted suicide are volunteering to have their organs recycled. There were 18 organs and 92 tissue donors in 2019, just since this, this month. The citizen also, the headline no, noted this fact. It read this, medically assisted deaths prove a growing boom to organ donation in Ontario. The citizen also noted in the headline, that Ontario's waiting lists for organs typically hover around 1,600. The source of organs and tissues comes from patients who have been killed by medical professionals at their own request 
after which their courts have been pillaged for their spare parts. And we see the same thing happening with abortion. God help us. God help us. Now, how are these demonic atrocities happening? How is this happening in our land today? Well, I believe there's two reasons. Number one, evil. There's evil in the land. And number two, money. Money. The love of money is the root of all evil. Amen? And so because of evil in the land, and because of the love of money, we're seeing an increase of these type of atrocities. Genesis 6, 5 talks about man's thought were continuously intent of evil. Now listen to this verse, Ecclesiastes 9, 3. Truly the hearts of the sons of men are full of evil, madness in their hearts. In the New Testament, Matthew 24, 12, because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will wax cold. It's in the last days it talks about, in the coming days. Because of lawlessness will abound, and it has, the love of many will wax cold. Now let's turn to New Testament. Look in 1 Timothy, if you will. Turn in your Bibles to 1 Timothy chapter 6. 1 Timothy chapter 6. You know, we need to talk about this. We don't just talk about things like this, do we? You know, I know it's personal to some and all of those types of things, and so we need to talk about it. I want to talk about it today. I want to make it, make it evident to us. 1 Timothy chapter 6, the Apostle Paul writes to Timothy in verse 9. 1 Timothy 6, 9, he says this, And having food and clothing, with these we shall be content. But those who desire to be rich, verse 9, those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare. And into many foolishness and harmful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. Now look in verse 10. It doesn't say for money. It says for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. For which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. So what's happening today, we're seeing evil in the land because of our sin. We just continue to digress. And then we see for the love of money, people are doing foolish things. I mean horrible things for the love of money. For the love of money. Let me give you an example. Planned Parenthood has made millions from harvesting and selling baby parts. By the way, that's a fact. Planned Parenthood, Federation of America, in 2018 and 2019, in their annual report, which was released just January the 6th, they show the organization performed 345,672 abortion procedures in 2018, which was an increase of 13,000 over 2017. Planned Parenthood is responsible for approximately 40% of reported abortions in the U.S., according to Live Action News. Planned Parenthood received more than $616 million in government reimbursements in 2018. From 2008 to 2018, government funding to Planned Parenthood has increased by 70%. 
It's unbelievable to me personally that our government would support that and finance that, really. Let me give you another example. Actress Ashley Bratcher, she played Abby Johnson in the movie Unplanned. If you haven't seen that movie, let me encourage you to go see that movie. It's entitled Unplanned. Recently, Ashley Bratchler came to Athens when the Women's Resource Center and Save a Life, they invited her to come. She played the part of Abby Johnson. If you read about, if you saw the movie or read about Unplanned, Ashley Bratchley, the actor, played Abby Johnson uh, in, in the movie. And she was a speaker at the fundraiser for Women's Resource Center. And I was there to hear this testimony. Well, who is Abby Johnson? Who is Abby Johnson? Abby Johnson worked at the clinic as a manager for Planned Parenthood in Texas. While working in one of the Planned Parenthood abortion clinics, Mrs. Johnson witnessed the murder of an infant boy in what Planned Parenthood outrageously refers to as a mere products of conception. The atrocity of killing innocent human life led Abby Johnson to her pro-life conversion. She quit her job at Planned Parenthood and now speaks as a pro-life activist while working with the Susan B. Anthony List in Washington, D.C. Abby Johnson, in her own words, wrote this in an article recently. I sat there and watched a little boy get murdered. Almost two years later, when I closed my eyes, I can see him trying to escape and I can see him shriek in pain when it happens. It sickens me, as it should... But by sharing my story with others, I can help save unborn lives. I can help make sure more little boys and girls aren't killed in that same way. So what a tragedy. Please pray for Abby Johnson and others to preserve life. Now, with that said, I want to say this. Hear me very well. All of us have sinned. All of us, and some of us, have done some probably horrible things in our lives. And I thank God that God's a God of forgiveness. You may have had an abortion. You may even killed somebody. Or maybe you've had someone committed suicide or whatever. But I want you to know something. And what I just described to you is very horrible. But God loves you unconditionally. I want you to know that. You may be watching by our, our, our live cast. You may be here in this room and maybe you've had abortion. I had two ladies come to me. In my office, and both of them said this, Pastor, in my younger days, I had abortion. One had two. And they said, listen, if there's any way you can use my testimony to help others, I, I'm, I'm available. Just let them know. And I've done that over the years. A lot of people use their, their testimony, their hurts, and their, their things that they've done, like your pastor in my old, in my younger days as an unsaved man, in my compulsive gambling, and even in abortion. People use that, and God can turn that around and help others. And I thank God for women like Abby Johnson and others who are willing to share their heart and their testimony, understanding that God forgives us. So when the woman in adultery was laid before Jesus, remember what Jesus said? She caught red-handed in adultery. The Bible said to stone her, and Jesus said this, Those of you who are without sin, why don't you cast the first stone? Amen? So I want you to know that God's a God of forgiveness. He loves you, regardless of what you've done in the past. He loves you. That's why He's an awesome God. That's why He is a loving God. 
He's a God of forgiveness. 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's the God I serve. That's the God of forgiveness. That's the God of love. But these things have to be dealt with. We have to talk about these things. We have to understand that God's a God of forgiveness. God will save you. He will change your heart as He did Abby Johnson's. He changed her life. He changed her heart. And she began to be a spokesman, if you will, for for life. And so God has used that and God has blessed that. But that's a burden. I, I can imagine the burden of an abortion or a burden of other things that we carry with us. I carried a burden for many years of my own guilt. And so we have to understand that God will relieve that guilt. God will set you free. He'll take the chains off and set you free if you'll only let Him. And so that's the good news today, my friends, that God's a God of forgiveness. And now, as we look at uh, not only... By the way, we're not the first generation to, uh, to, to murder children. The Canaanites, as far back as the Canaanites, they, they offered sacrifice children to their god, Molech. And then uh, there have been others. Remember Herod? Herod in Bethlehem had all the two-year babies and younger murdered, massacred. And so evil has been with us forever. And so it continues even today. And so our culture today is supposed to be more civilized. Right? We're supposed to be more civilized than those things. But something's happened. And I wrote this statement. I want you to listen to this statement. Here at Lindsay Lane... We strive to teach our congregation to adopt a biblical worldview, especially in the area of preserving human life. We believe that each of us reflects the very image of God, as we read in Genesis. If we lose sight of the value that God has placed on human life, we are susceptible to temptation to destroy that life designed and instituted by God Himself. Life is sacred. When life is destroyed, we lose the impact of life that could have enriched our lives and brought glory to God. Genesis 2, 7 says, The Lord breathed into the nostrils, uh, nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. We are created in the image of God, and we're endowed with the very breath that God gives us to live. All life is sacred. All life is sacred. Therefore, we too must do all we can to help preserve and honor life. There's things that happen in life we don't understand. We don't understand why tragedy happens, disease, death, and disaster. We don't understand why those things happen. We don't understand why people are old in nursing homes and why God just lets them live. We don't understand that, right? They don't understand that. They don't understand that. Why am I still living? My mother's asked me that many times. Why am I still living? What's God doing? Mom, I don't know. I don't know what He's doing. But your life is in His hands. Your life is in His hands. God could be doing anything. You don't ever know who we're touching. You never know who we're witnessing to in, in our affliction even. You never know what God's doing. That's why we trust Him. That's why He's God. That's why He's God. And that's why He's prepared a place for us. That when we do exit this life, there's everlasting life awaiting for us. That's good news. That's good news. Mother Teresa said this, 
Any country that accepts abortion is not teaching the people to love, but to use violence to get what they want. Wow. You know there are four countries that legalize abortion all the way through the nine months? You know who they are? North Korea, China, right? China, Canada, and America. Those four countries legalize abortion all the way through. Isn't that sad that we're one of those four? It really is. And see, when you see murder, abortion, suicide, euthanasia, all of those are symptoms of a greater problem. They're just the symptoms of what's going on in our society, in our lives, when we don't have any respect and disregard the sacredness of human life. Those things are only the symptoms of those. When you negate creation, when you negate what God says in the Bible, then we're opening ourselves up. Right? There are many examples, biblical examples, of sanctity of human life. I'll give you a few before we turn to one. Job chapter 27 verse 3. Even while Job was in his affliction... The Bible says that God created him to live. Job said that. God created him to live. The Apostle Paul, speaking to the philosophers at Mars Hill in Acts chapter 17, verse 25, he says, God is the giver of life. Isaiah chapter 44, verse 24, the great prophet Isaiah said this, He who formed you in the womb... Now listen to what Jeremiah 1.5 says. This is the prophet way back, hundreds of hundreds of years before Christ was even born. The prophet Jeremiah said this as a prophet of God. Before I formed you in the womb, God said, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. He told that to, to, uh, to Jeremiah. Before you were even born, while you were in the womb, I knew who you were and I sanctified you. I set you apart to be a prophet. Wow. Ephesians 2.10, New Testament. We are God's workmanship. We are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works. In John 10, I like this passage of Scripture. Jesus said this, I have come that they may have life and they may have it more abundantly. He's come to give us life. Life abundantly while we're here on this earth. And then heaven too. All this in heaven too, right? But the greatest example, I believe the greatest example in all the candidacy of Scripture when it comes to human life is found in Psalms 139. I want you to turn there with me. Psalms 139. The, the, the psalmist David's writing this. Psalms 139, I want you to look in verse number 13. He says in verse 1, O Lord, search me and know me. You know my sitting down and my rising up. You understand my thoughts. All of those things in verse 1 and 2. Now look in verse 13. For the sake of time, look at verse 13. Don't miss this. Psalms 139. I want you to look at it. This is the psalmist David writing, and he says, You, God, you formed my inward parts. You covered or knitted or wove me in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. My frame, my bones, my being was not hidden from you. 
when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth, that's a reference to the womb, if you will, your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. You saw me in the womb being yet unformed. Even when I was an embryo, an egg, a fetus, you saw me in the womb. And in your book, they are all written, the days fashioned for me, when as yet, they were yet, none of those days even happened. So does God just know you after you're born? No, He knows you in the womb. He created, but remember, He created us. He knows us. Every hair of our head, the Bible says, has been numbered. He knows what color your eyes are going to be. He knows all of those things. I'm telling you, He knows all of those things. The Scripture confirms that God has formed and endowed each of us with His marvelous spiritual components that make up our unique being, which separates us from all other forms of creation. We just read it in Genesis. This passage teaches that God's sovereign hand is active within a mother's womb, weaving and molding us together as a human being, intimately creating, designing us for His great glory and purpose. Nehemiah also said this in Nehemiah 29, 11, God's got a plan for you. He's got a purpose for you. And about 60 million have been snuffed out so that plan could even go into action over those many years since 1973. So it's very important that we address this issue. See, God knows who you are. Again, He knows the color of your eyes. He knows your genes, your characteristics, your chromosomes, all of those things. He, he knew who I was. He knew I was going to have ADD to the kilt. He knew that. He knew I was going to love Hershey Kisses and Alabama football. He knew that. God even knew I was going to be your pastor for 28 years when He created me, even in the womb. He's sovereign God. See, God knew all of that. But yet, God gives us a choice. Let's talk about this choice we hear in the news all the time. Let's talk about choice. God gives us a choice to do right, to be right, to obey Him, to be godly, so God can bless the USA. God can bless China. God can bless Iran, any nation. He's not a respecter of people. He can bless anyone who has the audacity to obey His Word. But the other side of that coin is when we don't obey that word, He can't really bless us. Matter of fact, when we take God into our own hands and we think we're God, we've evolved, we've become God. Wow, I think it ticks Him off. He's a loving God, He's forgiving God, but I believe it ticks Him off. What are you doing? Why are you doing these things? And I believe it's because of the Holy Spirit of God is holding back the raft of God. On this planet. With all the atrocity. All the things that are happening. Listen to this. A biblical fact. A biological fact. That at eight weeks. At eight weeks old. In the womb. A baby sucks their thumb. Proven fact. Eight weeks. That baby sucking their thumb. And by the way. In eight weeks. They feel pain. They feel pain at eight weeks. Their organs begin to work. If you see an ultrasound, you can see these things. In verse 16, it spoke of conception. 
My substance, it said, is yet being formed. It speaks of the embryo. I told you about the egg. And David confirms God's prior knowledge of all life. And so, even the stage of pre-embryo, embryonic stage, God knows all the way to death. He knows everything about us. So the Bible avows that personhood exists from the very moment of conception. If you don't believe that, just keep reading the Bible. Especially Psalms 139, what we just read. It's a biblical worldview. By the way, it's not a Republican worldview. It's not a, and I'm, this, by the way, this is not a political message. This is a biblical proclamation. So don't, don't leave here and say, well, he's preaching on pot. Uh-uh. This isn't a political message. This is a biblical proclamation. We're trying to educate America and what the Bible says. The problem is we left the Bible. We left God. And so we're doing all these crazy things, atrocities, horrible things that are displeasing to God. And the argument and debate today, it's not really a baby. That's not really a baby yet. It's a fetus. It's a glob. And I can do with it what I want to do. It's my body and it's my choice. Let me correct you on that. It is not your body. It is not your body. Well, back that up with Scripture, Pastor. All right. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19. Let me read it to you. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit which is in you, whom you have from God? And do you not know that you are not your own? That's what the Bible said. You're not your own. For you were bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God. There was on the script. Look at it. Read it. 1 Corinthians 6, 19. It's not our body. It's not my body. It's not your body. It's His body. We're the temple of God. We were bought with a price. The price of the blood of Jesus Christ. And God created us. We belong to Him, if you will. That's what it says. You're His. And I'm His. It's truly demonic when we get irate and ready to protest. When a nest of sea turtle eggs have been disturbed, or an eagle's egg is destroyed, and we're debating on if a lobster feels pain when we put him in boiling water. There's people who are hotly debating a lobster feels that pain, and yet we're ripping, we're sucking, we're pulling baby limbs apart, and it doesn't even phase us. God help us. God help us. We think more of a sea turtle egg or an eagle's nest egg being disturbed than we do little babies being pulled out of mother's wombs. I'm just telling you, we don't know what reality really is. If I was to show you an abortion on this screen right now, which I could, then you'd get the real picture. We talk about it. We talk, oh, it's just an abortion. What is an abortion? What does it look like? You need to go online and look at one. Amen? And then we call it a choice. Our culture has lost common sense. I preached that last Sunday. We're so illogical. We don't know which ends up. We're blinded by Satan. 
For instance, let me give you an example. Let's just say a woman is going to have an abortion. She's four months pregnant. She's going to drive into the abortion clinic to have an abortion. All of a sudden, a car hits her in the side. Knocks her out, knocks her over. It breaks a couple of her ribs, her shoulder maybe, whatever. And it takes the baby, it dies in her womb. Baby died right there on the spot in the car. She's four blocks away from the abortion clinic. That person that hit her is charged with vehicular manslaughter. Because they killed that baby. And yet, she's going to walk into that clinic four blocks away and not just a choice. Just a choice. Isn't that not illogical? That's what, that's what our laws are, are facing. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. And so, I just wanted to address this today. And I want to close with this. How are we to combat this issue of abortion? Let me give you number one. We must speak truth in love. The enemy is Satan. The enemy is evil. It's evil in the world. That's the enemy. So it's not the person who had an abortion is the enemy. It's the evil behind it. Right? So we've got to speak the truth in love. In love. And so uh, we've got to do what Jesus did. Again, with that woman who was caught in adultery. You remember that? They drug her out. In the... By the way, where was the man? Same thing in abortion. The man seemed to go scot-free. He helped with that. You do know that. But where, where's he at? Go down there and get rid of that thing. So this woman's called in adultery. Don't know who the man was, but by the way, they happened just to find her in adultery. They drag her out there. Jesus looks at her. Everybody's about to stone her to death. Jesus looks at her and said, Woman, I forgive you. By the way, those who were out seeing cast the first stone. Then he said, Woman. And they all dropped the, the rocks there. And then he said this, Woman, where are your accusers? And she looked around and said, Lord, there are none. And listen to what Jesus told this woman, committed adultery. It's a fact, she committed adultery. Let's say she had an abortion. Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Wow. I forgive you. I cleanse it from all unrighteousness. Go and sin no more. That's the God I serve. That's the God of the Bible. God of wrath? Mm-hmm. There's judgment day coming on America one day. The whole world is coming. But God sent His Son. That whosoever would believeth in Him should not perish, should not be condemned, but have everlasting life. Everlasting life. I thank God for women like Abby Johnson... And those who have the courage to stand up for what's right un under a mis-persecution. Because this message today goes against the grain of the world. or the, Especially America today, really. And so, it takes courage, really does. But again, truth in love. Sharing the love of Christ. Forgiveness of Christ. God forgives. He restores. He restores. If we'll only trust and obey. Now, you may be here today, you never had an abortion, or maybe you never killed anybody or anything like that. You say, well, I'm just, I'm a good person. Well, the truth is, really, you're not. 
You're a sinner too. (laughs) I'm a sinner too. We all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So you need Jesus, just like uh, those who committed the Holocaust, those who commit those sins. You need Jesus too. I need Jesus too. I need His forgiveness. And maybe you're here today and you keep thinking, well, I'm a good person, never done much wrong. You still need Jesus. If you've never received Him as your personal Savior, if you've never received Christ, you never made a, you've never made a decision where you're inviting Christ into your life, you don't know today if you died where you spend eternity, then you're probably lost. You are lost. And you're not going to be in that city that Thad sang about and we clapped about. You're not going to be in that city. You're going to be in that other place separated from your loved ones. And I say that to say this. God loves you. He wants to forgive you. He wants to save you this morning. Why don't you come and be saved today? Why don't you reach out to God? Let go of your pride. Let go of your uh, being afraid. He's giving you courage. He didn't give you the spirit of fear, but of power and of sound mind and love. So why not say yes to Jesus today and settle that in your heart? I tell you, you'll, you'll, after you make that first step, you'll be... I'm telling you, it's just awesome to be forgiven. It really is. So I beg you today to come and receive Christ. Do it today. If you're looking for our church family, you come. We'd love to have you join our church. The altar will be open. And Father, Lord, I pray for this message that you would seal it to our hearts. And now, Lord, I'm praying right now for those who need to be saved. They've never made a decision. They can't even remember a time where they gave their life to you. I pray they would come right now. And settle that once and for all. Lord, give them, give them strength to do it. Let them feel your spirit drawing them to you. Let them don't, not be afraid. I pray they would come. And Lord, I pray that anyone who needs to come this morning for any reason, you would guide them and direct them by your spirit. Lead them, Lord. Lead them in Jesus' name. Would you stand? Would you stand as God speaks and God moves? Please don't exit at this time. There's lives in the balance. I'm going to ask you to come forward. As we sing, why don't you come?